simplistic, but if he says to do it, he's not playing games with us, then we can do it. He tells us that if we want to be happy, we must be pure in heart. And it stands to reason if we're not pure in heart, then we'll never truly be happy, right? If Jesus says this is what's going to make you happy, yet you don't do what makes you happy, then it stands to reason that you're not going to be happy. And a lot of times people, we, we get so sidetracked with everything that's going on and we chase after things that we think will make us happy only to find out they don't make us happy. I quote David Jeremiah again when he says, Unholy people are not happy. Listen to this, I quote, Sin doesn't ever produce the joy it promises. Right? Sin doesn't ever produce the joy it promises. With that being said, can I really be pure in heart? I believe so. So what does the Bible teach us about purity? Well, what is purity? This word for purity means to be clean. It means free from any impure mixture. It's found 28 times in the Bible. 17 times it's translated as clean. 10 times it's translated, or excuse me, 17 times translated as pure. 10 times it's translated as clean. And one time it's translated as clear. You couple together this verse with the heart. And we get what he's trying to say. The word heart, it can mean the organ that's beating in your chest. But most often it does not mean that organ that's beating in your chest cavity that pumps blood. It often is used to refer to the center of the moral, spiritual, and intellectual life. The inside, the person, the inside, your innermost part of you. You know the Bible says that the heart is the headquarters for our thoughts. Do you know that? Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You and I think our thoughts originate in our mind. They don't. They originate in our heart. That's why God tells us never follow your heart. The world tells you, follow your heart, but the word, the word of God tells us that the heart is desperately wicked. Not only is the heart the headquarters of our thoughts, the heart is the headquarters of our actions. Matthew 15, 19 says, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murderers, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. Do you know that the Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh? Long before you say it here, you say it here. Now, when we put these two together, it means that we are clean and pure without any impure mixture at all at the center of our moral, spiritual, and intellect. We're free from any impurities on the inside of us. Now, how do we get it? How do we become pure at heart? This is very important. There are three things worth noting about pure in heart. First of all, purity of heart is a work of God. Why do I say that? Because you and I cannot do it. We cannot do it in our flesh. How many times have we turned a new leaf over only to find out that we were the same way when the leaf was on the front that it was on the back? 
In other words, we cannot make ourselves pure. You can try to live a moral life. You can try to be decent. You can try to uh, not uh, smoke, cuss, drink, or chew, or hang with those that do. But it's still not going to make you clean on the inside. Because it is a work of God. Remember when David said in Psalm 51.10, Create in me a clean heart. It was something that David was relying upon God because he had made a mess of himself and he realized that it's only God that can do that work in him. Create a clean heart in me, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Now I want to talk to you just a minute about purity because first of all there is a positional purity. Now if you'll hang with me just for a moment, I want to explain this to you. This, this positional purity was granted to us when we believed in Jesus Christ. It was secured by His death on the cross and His resurrection. Because you and I have trusted in Jesus Christ, He has saved us. He has given us His righteousness. Positionally, when God looks at us, believers in Jesus Christ, He doesn't see us in our sinful state. He sees us through the lens of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So by virtue of believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross of Calvary, positionally, we are clean. We're pure. He has forgiven us. Not only has He forgiven us, He has removed our sins. Let me ask you a question. How many of your sins did Jesus pay for on the cross? All of them. You get a gold star. All of them. Because... He did that. I am positionally made pure. But now there's another aspect to this. There is the practical purity. We used to call this progressive sanctification in our churches. In other words, every day that you and I are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we should be being conformed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should become more like Jesus the longer we live on this earth. Not like the preacher, not like an evangelist, but like Jesus. This is something that is progressive. It happens over time. It's what the Holy Spirit does in my life. I read the Bible and I see the Bible says don't do this. And the Holy Spirit convicts me of that and I don't do that. I am being progressively sanctified. I'm becoming more like Jesus. This too is a work of the Holy Spirit. He is making me into the image of Jesus. There was a famous sculptor one time that was asked by a man how in the world you can take a block of wood or a a lump of clay or anything like that. How can you take something like that and sculpture this beautiful picture? And he said, it's easy. I take that lump and I knock off everything that doesn't look like the picture. And that's what Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit does in our lives. Everything that does not look like Jesus... The Holy Spirit will remove. It might take one year. It might take ten years. But God will do His work in our lives. The more of the word I obey, it makes me more like Jesus Christ. Now there's also a perfect purity. Do you know that the Bible teaches us that when we stand before Jesus Christ in glory, we will be changed And we will be perfect. We will finally 
be clear of that old nature. We will not have two natures any longer. We'll only have one nature, the redeemed nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we will be, as the scripture says, like him. Totally, forever, without sin. But let me tell you, until then, we're just a work in progress. And don't get too, don't get too high and mighty on yourself because God's still working on you too. He's working on me, he's working on you, and he is making us into what he wants us to be. So, it's a work that he does. Number two, it's a work on the inside. It's a work on the inside. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, Matthew 23, 27, hypocrites. For you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautifully outwardly, beautiful outwardly, excuse me, but inside are full of dead man's bones and all uncleanness. God's work in our lives works from the inside out, not the outside in. You know what the outside in is, is self-righteousness. The inside out. Now listen, the outside can be faked, but the inside can't be faked. People can see the outside, but only God can see the inside. God knows every thought you ever have, every motive, every intent of your heart. He knows it and sees it. And you can fool the preacher, you can fool the deacons, you can fool your Sunday school teacher, you can fool your mom and dad, but you can't fool God. You cannot. The reason the work is on the inside is because that's where our thoughts and our actions originate. That's where we have to be redeemed. That's where Christ targets the very origination of our thoughts and actions. So when this work is done on the inside, ironically, it affects the outside. But you cannot affect the inside by working on the outside. You can wear all the suits you want, all the dresses you want, and, and all this stuff, and that's nice, and praise the Lord, you look nice and all that good stuff, but that's not going to change your inside. Only Christ can change the inside. So not only is it a work of God, it's a work on the inside, but number three, it's a work of the Word. Listen to this, John 15, 3. Speaking to believers, you are already clean, because of the word which I have spoken to you. Speaking of the church, Ephesians 5.26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word of God. Now let me just tell you this. Let me tell you this. You cannot honestly and sincerely be in the word of God and it not affect you. You can't. If you're paying attention and you're reading the Word of God and you're studying the Word of God, it will change you. Now, if you're just reading it and you're not thinking about it and you're not meditating and you're not obeying it and you're just doing it to check your list, then you could easily read it and not affect you. But I'm going to tell you this. I've heard story after story. I remember a, a, a missionary came and to the church I grew up in, and he was telling that he used to go, and he got a bunch of Gideon Bibles, and he'd go pass out Bibles in prison. Back then, you could smoke inside, and one of the prisoners realized that that rolling paper was the same paper that was made out of those Gideon New Testaments. 
And he told the reverend, he called him reverend, he said, Reverend, if you give me one of those, I'll take it. He said, but I want you to know I'm going to smoke every page. And that preacher said, I'll tell you what, I'll give it to you knowing that you're going to smoke every page if you read every page before you smoke it. That old man said, I smoke Matthew, I smoke Mark, I smoke Luke. And he said, John, smoke me. And the man came to faith in Jesus Christ. It's the power of the Word of God. His Word will not return void. It is a work in our lives. It is a work inside. It's a work done by God. And it's a work that He uses His Word to cleanse us. The Bible is clear that God uses the Word of God to purify us. That's why it's important when I tell you that you need to read the Word of God. You need to love the Word of God. You need to be in the Word of God. You need to obey the Word of God. <coughs> and daily you need to take time and read the Word of God. The reason we tell you that is because God's Word will have a cleansing effect on your soul, on your life. It's not just a daily activity or an obligation. It's an absolute necessity. We need the Word of God. Because we need to be pure in heart. And I will tell you this. Listen to me. It will be very difficult, if not impossible, for you and me to fully be pure and not be in the Word of God. That's how important the Word of God is. Now, there are a few misconceptions that we must be aware of when talking about pure of heart. And I just want to throw these in quickly. First of all, the first misconception is this. Nowhere does having a pure heart mean that you are sinless or perfect. The Bible is very clear that 1 John 1.8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 1 John is written to believers that you may know that you have eternal life. It was written to believers. And he's telling the believers, if you say you have no sin, you're just deceiving yourself and the truth is not in you. Now there are some denominations that believe that um, they teach a level of sanctification on this earth where you can get there where you no longer sin. And I had a conversation with somebody. And I, when I have a conversation with people, I like to ask questions. I don't try to prove my point. I like to ask questions. And one of the questions I asked was, well, that's interesting. So you believe that you can have a level where you do not sin? Yeah. Have you ever done something you know you should have done? Well, of course I have. Well, you know the Bible says that there are sins of omission. Not only sin of commission, but sins of omission. Where you are responsible for things you should do that you don't do. Well, well either it is or it's not. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Let me tell you this. The worst thing that can happen to believers is for them to get self-righteous and think that they will not fall into sin. That's what the devil wants so he can trap you. Another misconception is having a pure heart does not mean that we are to be self-righteous. Self-righteousness means you focus on the outside rather than the inside. Jesus condemns the Pharisees. Again, I read Matthew 23, 27 to you. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautifully outwardly, beautiful outwardly, I don't know why I keep saying beautifully, beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. 
Self-righteousness is nothing that God approves. Self-righteousness is sin. And Jesus condemned the hypocrites, the scribes and the Pharisees. He called them hypocrites, the most religious leaders in that time. He called them hypocrites because they were outwardly appeared to be religious, but inwardly they were full of dead man's bones. So thirdly, the third misconception I would say is having a pure heart understands the danger of the heart. You know, one misconception is is that I'm going to follow my heart and that, you know, my heart is always going to lead me to what's right. No. Do not. Do not. The Bible tells us, and, and it's very clear, that we are not to trust our heart because our heart is desperately wicked. Look at uh, Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I didn't make that up. That's what the Word of God says. That's why I continually tell people, do not follow your heart. I tell young girls all the time, don't follow your heart. Listen, I'm sure you, you, I understand that you love tall, dark, and handsome. But he won't stay tall, dark, and handsome. He'll end up short, pudgy, and peaking. And you know, why are you laughing? You're laughing because that's the truth. Your heart will lead you to do goofy things like that. Don't do it. The Bible Knowledge Commentary says this. I love this. The pure in heart are those who are inwardly clean from sin through faith in God's provision. And watch this. And continual acknowledging of their sinful condition. I've had at least one time, and this one time I remember it may have been more. I was witness to someone. I was talking about Christ. And yeah, I would love to receive Christ and pray. And I came to the place where we were, I was leading them in a prayer. And I said, I realize I'm a sinner and I realize I deserve to die. And he stopped and I said, what's the matter? And he said, well, you know, I'm not really all that bad. Now, on the, thing, on the, the, the surface of that, we think, well, wait a minute. But there's a deeper problem. Before someone can be born again, they first have to understand they need to be born again. They have to understand that they are totally unable, unable to be saved in and of themselves. And when we are born again, we have to keep in mind that we cannot live out the Christian life in and of ourselves. And that we have to constantly, we have to be trusting in the Lord and acknowledging that, hey, I am a sinner and I do have the propensity to sin. We must constantly be aware of our own sinful condition. I would say another misconception is that some people think that they can be clean on the outside and nobody will know that they're not clean on the inside. Um, With the invention of social media, we have found that many ministers have fallen into sin. And men who have gone on to be with the Lord, who we respected, we found out that they secretly were living a life of sin and debauchery. We didn't even know it. 
We regarded them as men of God. Listen. Jeremiah 17.10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. We are told that God looks upon the heart. Israel wanted a king, and they chose Saul because Saul was tall, dark, and handsome. They chose him, literally, because of his outward beauty and his prowess. God chose David to be king because, this little servant shepherd boy, because of his heart. He looked at his heart and he made him a king and a warrior. David would not have been the defeater of Goliath had it not been for the Lord and the power of the Lord upon David. So we must remember that God's not concerned with our outside. He's concerned with our hearts. And He knows exactly what's in there. Keith, you all know Keith Matheny. Keith was playing golf with another man that we knew was a Christian. And he had uh, knocked his golf ball in the pond. And he went over to reach down and get in the pond. And about the time he reached down, a frog jumped. And Keith went back and yelled. And everybody was laughing. And Keith was joking. Keith does not cuss. But he said, boy, that almost made me cuss. And that other man said, listen, if it were in you, it would come out of you. What's in your heart will eventually come out. It'll come out your mouth. It'll come out in your actions. And you can't hide it. God will purge it out of you. So let me just say this. That's all introduction. Four things real quick. And we can go home and eat and go to sleep. Number one, we must be pure in our love. We must be pure in our love. If there's something missing in our land today, I would say it's love. It really is love. We are such a divided nation. We're such a divided people. Even in Christendom, it's so divided and fractured. We need love. We must be pure in our love. Listen, God tells us that if we know Him, we will love one another. We will love one another. Because God is love. Love is not an activity that God does. It is a characteristic of who God is. God is love. God is love. So we must be pure in our love. We need to love the things that God loves. We need to hate the things that God hates. And and unfortunately, in the day that we live in, we as Christians, we laugh at things, the world, we laugh at things that God calls an abomination. We think it's funny. And what God says is wrong. We've been desensitized to it through the television and all this stuff, and it no longer bothers us. I, I, the way people talk blows my mind. When I grew up, was growing up, people didn't talk as they do today in vulgarity. 
just common vernacular. And I would say women, ladies don't say that, but women talk just as bad. We were in a football game. They stopped the football game, and one of our fans sitting down in the front was a lady saying bad words, and they stopped the football game, they got the athletic director, and had her escorted out. It's a game. It's a game. We can't love that kind of stuff. Someone said to me the, not too long ago, said, man, I just, that, that, I, there's a word that I cannot stand. It's a grotesque word, and people just use it. You can't, you, you, you got to be careful watching a, a video, because the next video pops up, they'll just say that, and you hear it, and you're like, I didn't want to hear that. And can I just say something? Be careful what you share. A lot of times there's a message, and you share it, and it's a good message, but you don't read the title, and in the title, there's vulgarity in the title. There was a gentleman that is a born-again believer, and he had sent something, and, and I just said, did you read that? No. And he's like, oh, my goodness, preacher, don't you tell anybody I sent that. And I said, well, tell anybody you put it out there. Everybody's seen it. So he goes on there and says, I was hacked. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Do we love the things that God loves? You know, last week we had a wonderful time up at the camp. We had a great time of fellowship, and after the, after the preaching was done, people stayed around and talked and laughed, and, you know, it was wonderful. It was great to have fellowship. Everybody's in a hurry anymore. We're in, literally in a hurry to do nothing, to get home, to sit and watch Dancing with the Stars or something. I don't know. To me, which is like, who cares? I understand why guys like gun smoke. There's nothing else on TV to watch watching. And some, like Harry and my dad, they've seen every episode. They can tell you what's going to happen. Like, don't spoil it. I haven't seen them all. But what about the love for the church and the love for each other? We have to be pure in it. We have to be pure in it. Number two, we must be pure in our motives. Do you know that when you do something for Christ, <clears throat> doing that for Him... And your motive for him are on the same plane. As a matter of fact, I will tell you this. He is more concerned with your motive and he'll reward you more or less for your motive than he will the act. Because there are many times when you do something for the Lord and nobody takes notice and nothing happens. Have you ever witnessed to somebody and they didn't get saved? Well, you're still going to be rewarded for witnessing to them. It's not your job to save them. It's your job to witness to them. Have you ever... Stood and uh, poor Terry drives a church van and all the kids are screaming, ah, you know, and you think, wow, what in the world am I doing? But you're doing it because you love Jesus and you love those kids and your motive is pure and God will bless you for that motive. You know the difference in the state of Ohio between the death penalty and life in prison? Motive. Motive. We must be pure in our motives. We don't do these things so that we get blessings. We don't do these things so that we get notoriety. We don't do these things for any other reason than we love the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a pure heart. I'm going to pick up that 
trash on the church lot because this is his house and I love him. I watched it this, this year at church camp and many of the years, the, the last two years, we've had more people over 50 serving in church camp than we have had under 50. 110 degrees up there and tempers and things are flying and they're serving, having a good time, sweating for Jesus. Now we've got the air conditioning, it's really nice. Can I say amen? Pure motives. Pure motives. Number three, we must be pure in our actions. We must be pure in our actions. You know, there was a time when Christian would say, no, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go that place. I'm not going to do this, that, or the other because that's just not becoming of Christianity. Now we don't care. We just do whatever. There was a time when we genuinely wanted to help people and love people and serve people. Our motives were pure. And then it got to be in churches where we want to be bigger than the next church and we want to have more people and have more money. And, you know, the older I get and the way I see things going in the world, if they're preaching the gospel, praise God, I'm glad they're there. I am glad they are there. Purity in our actions. You know, our reactions. Uh, Someone comes at you, you know, I like to like, put, put, put them in their place. You better watch out, Jack. You know, and purity. Areas I need to grow are actions. Do you know that your actions speak louder than your words? If I'm pure in heart, my actions are going to be pure. Am I going to make a mistake? Yes, but listen, when I make a mistake, what do I do? I own up to it, I confess it to God, and I repent, and I make it right. If I'm not smart off someone, I get right with God, and I go to that person and say, listen, I had no right to talk to you that way, I'm sorry. But you hear this more like this nowadays. You know, I'm here to tell you, I wish I wouldn't have said that, but if you wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have done that. That's not an apology. You just turn it right back on them. We must be pure in our actions. Number four, we must be pure in our desires. You know, I was thinking, the Bible says, he that desires the office of a bishop desires a good thing. Being called into ministry, there was a desire. I know a lot of people say, well, I didn't want to do it. I didn't go in kicking and screaming. I, I wanted to do it. God put it on my heart, and I wanted to become a pastor. I desired it. There, there were times in my life when I desired to go to a revival, or I, I desired to, to go hear some singing, and I desired to do some Christ-like things. And then the world started creeping in and forcing out the desires of godly things and replaced it with the desires of worldly things. You know, we need to be pure in our desires. There are teachers standing over there tonight teaching in front of the Awana group, the Awana club. And they have pure desires. Some of them have worked hard all day. They came straight. They probably even had dinner yet. They came straight from work, went right over there, and they're teaching a class. And they desire to do it. 
There are men and women who serve the Lord valiantly in this church because they have, are pure in their desires. And then there are some who are not doing anything for Christ. And they need to get the desire to do something for Him. I, I don't know what I can do. Well, we'll find you something to do. If you have a desire to serve the Lord, He will show you what He wants you to do. We must be pure in our desires. What happens when I have a pure heart? Well, what is the end result? The end result, first of all, we'll be happy. We'll be happy. You know, the happiest people I have known have been those who walk with the Lord, serve the Lord, and love the Lord. Those are the happiest people I've ever been around. You know, you know who the most miserable people I've been around? Those who claim to know the Lord and do nothing for Him, have no relationship with Him. They want to fire policy so they don't have to go to hell. Those are the most miserable people I've ever been around. If you have a pure heart, you'll be happy. There's no joy that matches the joy of being right with God. There's no joy that matches the joy of being right with God. I mean, if someone came in and said, listen, you got two weeks to live, are you going to say, I want to go to King's Island? I don't think I ever want to go to King's Island. No. You know you're going to meet God. And you're going to be right with God. We're staring down the, who knows what's going to happen over there in Israel. I don't know when the Lord's coming back. No man knows the day nor the hour. But I'm going to tell you this. That trumpet of God's going to sound. And the voice of the archangels going to sound. And the dead in Christ shall rise. And, lo, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds. And so shall we ever be. Comfort one another with these words. Let me tell you something. There's no joy like the joy of being right with God. I'll say this. You cannot be out of the will of God and be happy. You can't. You cannot. Be out of the will of God and be happy. The second thing he says is we will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The pure in heart are blessed or fortunate because we will be able to gaze upon Him with confidence one day. We won't have to be ashamed. We can stand before the Lord and not be ashamed. We can stand before Him as 1 John. I didn't give him that text, but I'll, I'll read it to you. I think it's 1 John 2.28, I think it is. It says this, And now, little children, abide in Him, that when He appears we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. You will see Him. When your faith ends in sight, nothing else will matter. Jesus alone will matter. And you will see Him. So what's our part in all this? If it's a work He does, and it's a work He does on the inside of us, and He does it through His Word and by the Holy Spirit, what is our part? Well, our part is simply this. If you're not pure... In heart right now. If there's something in your life that's not right, you confess it. 1 John 1, 9, if, I, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Secondly, we repent. We turn from it. We repent. 
Thirdly, we yield to Him day by day, moment by moment, that His will may be done in our life. That's all we do. And He'll do the work through you. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Are you pure in heart? Would you join me in prayer? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I never want to have